Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. No. 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world are good friends at iHeartRadio. Tune in and 50 plus AM FM stations in the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Network. We've got a great guest with us today. Joining us on the telephone, our good friend Ted Schubot. He has got a great topic today, and this is something that uh, we've been talking a little bit about on this program uh, most of this week and last week. Vladimir Putin says there's only one reason that the United States has failed to destroy ISIS. Obama is using them as a proxy against Assad in a war, and uh, yesterday we talked a, a little bit about the fact that ABC News and a few other news outlets have reported that Vladimir Putin and the Russian government would like to sit down and coordinate attacks with the United States on ISIS, and well, U.S. just isn't interested. Uh, we bring Ted Schupat on the phone. Ted, welcome to the broadcast. How are you, sir? Doing all right, yourself? Uh, pretty good, actually. This... This is one of the strangest damn things that I've, you know, for the last, I don't know, three or four years, it's been rumored that President Obama and a few few folks in the, in the government are funding ISIS and then funding uh, Al-Qaeda and helping all these folks out. And then documents get released and various things and... And now we're just to the point where Obama's like, I don't care who knows. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, what is, first of all, what, what is what is going on um, over there with Assad? Is, is this a situation where Assad is one of these guys who won't play ball with us? Is, is that what's going on? Because I notice that when, uh, for instance, with Gaddafi or with Saddam or a few others, and, and world leaders have been this way in the past, presidents have done this in the past. When world leaders don't play ball with us, they're like, "Okay, well, then we'll just go ahead and uh, fund the rebels, and they'll take you out, and then we'll put our own guy in." And this has been something that's happened throughout the world. But give us your thoughts on Assad here. Well, I think Bashar al-Assad is the is an adequate leader for Syria. He's what Syria needs. Yeah, uh, just like uh, Saddam was what Iraq. Uh, <laughs> yes, areas are very vol. Yes, these areas, these areas in the Middle East are extremely volatile. You have to understand that you're talking about the Middle East here. You're talking about a region that for thousands of years has been under dictatorships and monarchy. So you can't yeah. expect these people simply to accept democracy. If you do give them democracy, they will vote in a greater tyranny. They will vote in uh, mob violence. Yeah. They will vote in Islamism. So what you have in the Middle East is a conflict, a, a high-tension conflict between... Um, uh, Pan-Arabist or nationalist people who love their country and don't really care about advancing uh, a universal Islamic utopia, and then you have the universalists. The universalists are what you know: ISIS, Al-Nusra, the Free Syrian Army. These are all uh, 
universalist ideologues. They believe in creating a universal Islamic empire. So in order to create this universal Islamic empire, you have to dismantle the nationalistic governments that are ruling over it. Um, and another thing we have to understand is that what the U.S. is doing in the Middle East is what it has been planning on doing going all the way back to the 1980s. Um, I did a whole well-detailed article on this about three years ago showing that uh, the United States has been talking about getting rid of Saddam since the 80s. And the reason they gave was that they wanted, or the United States desired and still desire, to destroy the Soviet powers in the Middle East in order to supplant them with American domination. So Bashar al-Assad, Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi, Mubarak, uh, all of these guys are Soviet-influenced Soviet uh, satraps. They're, they're, they're puppets, in other words, for, for Russia. They're allies to Russia. Not, I, mean, I wouldn't call them puppets, but they're allies to Russia. They're there for, they're going to help Russia's interests. And so they're, and the reason why Bashar al-Assad isn't, like you said, playing ball with us uh, is because he's confident enough that Russia will help him, and Russia is helping him. And, if, and here's the thing is that America is not anti-ISIS. This is a big myth that has been being pushed by the propaganda pieces in the U.S. government. Uh, if America was so pro-ISIS, if America was so anti-ISIS, sorry, if, if it was so anti-ISIS, then it would be allying with Russia. But it's not. Because Russia is bombing ISIS. And here's another thing. There is a Christian religious uh, spiritual aspiration behind attacking ISIS uh, on the part of Russia. The Orthodox Church, two years ago, had a meeting with the Vatican, and they discussed Russia's, a, a poten a, not potential, but Russia's future role in protecting the Christians in Syria, because there is, there is a lot of violence being done against Christians in Syria. It's, it's been going on since 2011. And uh, so what we're seeing is, what we're seeing is a, is a move done by Russia that is partially influenced by the Russian Orthodox Church. In fact, the head cleric of the Russian Orthodox Church um, uh, cleric chaplain said that this war in Russia or this uh, entering of, of, into Russia is a holy war to protect Christians. So what you're seeing is a crusade. Russia is a very religious country. Uh, unlike the United States, it has a church state, the Russian Orthodox Church. So the Russian Orthodox Church has a big say-so. So we have to put all these factors together. There's, you know, this is, Russia is, be, is the righteous nation. America right now is not being righteous. It isn't. If it was righteous, it would be working with Russia. Fortunately, fortunately, we have a we have one candidate amongst all the candidates running for president right now who says who agrees with me, and that is Donald Trump. All all of these candidates, be it Carly Fiorina, be it Rubio, Huckabee, all of these people are playing the anti-Russia card. That's all they're doing, and they're like. Oh yeah, Russia's going to go into Syria. Russia's going into Syria. World War III is coming. The Antichrist is soon to appear. When in reality, Russia is fighting ISIS and protecting Christians. And these same politicians claim to be Christian. They claim to be anti-ISIS. Well, if they were so anti-ISIS, why, why, are, why aren't they supporting Russia? They're not. Trump is the only guy intelligent enough to see this. He's saying, listen, let Russia deal with ISIS. They're doing the right thing. This is why I like Donald Trump out of all the candidates. He's smart enough to recognize this reality. 
We've got uh, Ted Schubot with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio and 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. Vladimir Putin says there's only one reason the United States has failed to destroy ISIS. Obama is using them as a proxy army against Assad. And you brought up a tremendous point. Donald Trump has brought this point up. There's been a lot of people in the past that have brought this, door, that brought this uh, point to light, and that is... When Saddam was running Iraq, we didn't have any of the issues that we had. And Gaddafi was running his country, no problems. And we take these guys out, and it's, it, it's something like, like, like you were saying. It's, it's, it's been ingrained in basically in their DNA for years. Uh, much like in the United States, we we want you know to we want to vote, we want to have the Constitution, we want to do all these things. Over there, they've had it ingrained in their DNA that it's craziness and all this other stuff. Much like in Russia, they're they're happy with communism. In China, they're happy with communism. It's a it's a strange deal. How, I I guess the situation is, um. Now that we've gotten to the point that we've gotten here with with Putin and everything, what do you think is is going to happen here, Mr. Shubat? Well, there's several points that I want to make about what you said. For yes, one, I, go. I, Russia is no long is Russia is no longer a communist country. Yeah. Uh, Russia Russia is a Christian nation. Oh yeah. Right now. Well, and that's something else is Vladimir Putin has a gigantic problem with these Islamists. And it's because yes. it's a Christian nation. Right. Uh, and they're saying China is changing as well. I mean, China, I, I don't want to change the subject. But no, 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 no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, China still technically is a communist nation. That's right. But things are changing a lot. And uh, there's over 100 million Christians living in China. And they are changing the society slowly, gradually, but they're nonetheless changing it. And there's some experts who've said that um, within a matter of years, you're going to see China become the biggest Christian nation in the world. Uh, so it's huge, China. And I, and I think China is going to play a role um, because when you see Russia getting involved in the Middle East, and not only that, but Russia, you have to understand, Russia is the kingpin of the Eastern Orthodox Christian nation. It is. Uh, he is. It is the leader. It is the protector of orthodoxy. It is the most powerful of all the Orthodox nations. And so you see nations like Serbia, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Macedonia. These are all Greece. These are all Eastern Orthodox countries primarily. And they love Russia. So I think what you're going to see is the more Russia enters the Middle East, the more these nations are going to form, and eventually they're going to form um, a Eastern Orthodox Christian Confederacy under, under Russia. And one thing that the, that the Eastern Orthodox want, and this is what the Russians believe, this is what all the Orthodox world believes, this is what I believe, is the, is the Hagia Sophia in Turkey. It was, it was, it's the most holiest site in all of the Eastern Orthodox world, uh, and most holiest of the churches. It was built by the Emperor Constantine in the 4th century. The Muslims took it and made it into a mosque in 1453. And so ever since then, the, Ethodor- the Orthodox have been wanting to take it. What it, who, who is America helping? If it's not, if it's not fighting ISIS, who is it, who is it helping? It's, hel- it's helping Turkey. That's who America is helping. And yep. Turkey took the Hagia Sophia. 
the Holy Temple. Turkey took the Hagia Sophia. So Russia wants the Hagia Sophia. This is what we have to keep in mind. It wants the Hagia Sophia. And and this is what eventually is going to, what, what eventually all this tension is going to erupt to is a war between Christendom and Turkey alongside all of the Muslim nations that are under its power. Because Turkey right now is the most powerful of the Muslim nations. It was the most powerful of all the Muslim nations from the year 1071 all the way up to the 1920s. Uh, so it, uh, all the Sunni world is just waiting to pledge allegiance to it. And so you're going to see, what you're going to see in the, in the future is Iran make alliances with Turkey, because Iran will eventually see that they need Turkey, because militarily they're very strong, very powerful. Um, and you're going to see the Eastern Orthodox countries, Greece, Macedonia, Serbia, unite with Russia and create a confederacy. And then eventually they're going to have a war with the Ottoman Empire, the revived Turkish Ottoman Empire. So there's going to be an Islamic confederacy under Turkey, then you're going to have a Christian confederacy under Russia. And the fight is going to be over the Hagia Sophia. That's going to be one of the center points. I'm not saying it's going to be the battle, but it's going to be part of it. And uh, another thing that you're going to see is China. This is my opinion. China is going to become an ally against the Muslims because they're fighting the Muslims already. Japan is going to be is going to rise again because Japan was an evil empire just 70 or so years ago. Let's not forget that. We have Shinzo Abe in Japan. For the first time since the end of World War II, Japan is no longer a pacifist nation. How many, how many people have known that? No one's reading the news. Japan has gotten rid of its pacifist uh, article in its constitution, the, uh, the constitution that the U.S. wrote for them. Uh, hey, Japan got bombed, got nuked, and then America said, you can no longer be a military nation. That's it. You have to be a pacifist country. Now Japan is no longer a pacifist country. They got rid of Article 9 from its constitution. Now, for the first time since the end of World War II, they bought a giant naval ship, a battle naval ship. They're rearming their military. They're strengthening their, their, their military. And China right now is preparing, China and Korea, both of the Koreas, North and South Korea, are preparing for a war with Japan. They did a survey, a recent survey. It was like four or five out of every ten South Koreans believe that war with Japan is imminent. China believes that war with Japan is imminent. There's some great experts out there who know yes. a lot about Japan. George, Fried George Friedman is saying that war with Japan is imminent. So Japan is going to make, my opinion is that Japan is going to make alliances with Turkey and the, the whole Muslim world. Uh, America is going to be on the side of evil temporarily, just like America was on the side of evil before World War II. America was on the side of Japan, and then Pearl Harbor came. And America had no choice but to make alliances with China, even though America hated China before that. Theodore Roosevelt <laughs> yep. hated yep. China. And when the Japanese, in the battle in, in the, uh, the Russo-Japanese War in 1904 and 1905, the, Russians, the Japanese butchered 90,000 Russians in one battle. Theodore, uh, Theodore, Herzl was, uh, sorry, Theodore Roosevelt was so impressed that he made, a, an, uh, he made alliances with Japan and helped the Japanese invade Korea. Well, America eventually had to be punished for this in Pearl Harbor, and then all of a sudden China became our ally. All of a sudden Japan became the enemy. So America's going to be on the side of evil. They're already on the side of evil, but that will change. 
in the future, I believe. We've got so, uh, uh, we've got Ted Chubot yeah. with us today. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to chat a little bit more with Ted Chubot about ISIS, Vladimir Putin, all the various things going on in the world. 36 minutes after the hour, back here in a few moments. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had no idea. I didn't know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. (laughs) Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to our number two of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well. That's right, we're live as live can get, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard, each and every Monday through Friday afternoon. From the KJAG Radio Studios in downtown Hutchinson, Kansas, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com on the tune and apps and radio loyalty. Our premium commercial-free podcast is available for $5 a month at JiggyJaguar.info. Selected editions will be available on the iHeartRadio app. Let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. I love these guys. The Time Over Employment Agency. That's right. They're located in Dallas, Texas. They're a company whose mission is to grow and expand to be able to provide more job opportunities to as many individuals as possible. The managing member of the company has recently started a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to get the company into new heights. The goal of the campaign is to take $100,000 in 60 days once six Successful. The amount raised from the campaign will be raised primarily for equipment, office space, acquiring additional clients, training for current and future staff, and marketing. Time Over is currently partnering with companies to help provide work-at-home jobs as well as other employment opportunities for individuals. The economic development in the U.S. overall has influenced companies to seek support from the employment agencies that provide support from agents with home office rather than utilizing traditional call centers, which has proven to be more cost-effective. According to the Bureau of Labor Staff, as of October 2015, the unemployment rate in the U.S. is as nearly 10 million people. Among the major worker groups, the unemployment rates for adults, men 4.7%, adult women 4.6%, teenagers 16.3%, and they've showed little or no change in September. Please help us on this campaign. We need to get more jobs in the U.S. Thank you very much for your support, and check it out today on Indiegogo.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. The Time Over Employment Agency, located in Dallas, Texas. And tell them you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Hour number two, right now. Please remember to check out Time Over Enterprises on Indiegogo at www.igg.me slash 80 slash USA, And please support the campaign to create more jobs. Check it out today. 
We've got a great guest with us today joining us here in our uh, second half of the interview, uh, Ted Shubat. He is the son of Walid Shabat and a uh, former uh, PLO terrorist at age 16. Theodore released his first book, In Satan's Footsteps, which is followed up with his For God or For Tyranny, which is available right now. We were talking about Vladimir Putin uh, during that last break, or we're talking about some of the international events that are going on around the world. Um Tell us a little bit about where you see Germany and some of these other countries fitting into the mix, because I read a story uh, probably, I don't know, two two or three days ago that a lot of these refugees that are uh, filtering in throughout the world, uh, the mainstream media wants to wants to pitch everybody on the fact that, well, it's women and it's children and it's they're, they're fleeing the bombs and, and all these things, which I understand some of that is is probably happening at the same time what they're not telling you is that a lot of men are storming into these countries and the story that i read was that in germany uh there are a group of neo-nazi types and a few others that are like you ain't coming here and they're not into having all of these Muslims filter into their country. Um, do you think that at some point we're going to see a lot of these other countries stand up and be like, nope, not on our dime? We're already seeing, we're already seeing these countries. Uh, Slovakia, for example, is probably one of the best examples of that. Uh, the Slovakian government said, we will take refugees, but they have to be Christian. Yep. And the EU got, got on their case, but Slovakia is still holding their ground, and Slovakia is planning on taking um, several thousand Christians into their country from Syria. They have to be Christian. And also, uh, we have uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, well, Czech- uh, Czechoslovakia, yeah. What happened? Well, no, actually, Hungary, my mistake. Uh, the Bishop of Hungary said that we cannot take in any refugees. And the leader of Hungary is saying the same exact thing. And he said that we have to protect our Christian identity because these people are dangerous. Even the Pope, after uh, saying that he supports the, the absorbing of these refugees, has said that uh, we have to always keep in mind that there is a, a very large danger of taking in Muslim terrorists if you take in these refugees. Even the Pope said this recently. Um, so there are nations that do understand this. Spain as well. I think Spain has said they'll take in some of the refugees, but they're not taking a whole lot, at least not in comparison to Germany. Uh, the Spanish uh, interior minister, Margallo, in a recent interview, he said that, uh, that there is a huge threat and there is, a, there is a reality in which ISIS is going to be using this refugee crisis in order to infiltrate Europe. And when Margallo was asked, well, how many of the refugees is Spain willing to take, he refused to give an answer, because I don't think he wants to take any of the refugees. So there are nations that know this. Actually, I think all the nations know this. Even Donald Trump saying that if I become president, um, I'm throwing all the refugees out. Because America, uh, when you look at what Obama has said and what John Kerry has said, America wants to take in 100,000 of them. Now they're saying 200,000 refugees. So if this plan succeeds... America is going to be the second largest absorber of the refugees after Germany. Germany has agreed to take in 800,000 refugees. And Germany's not a, Europe is not a big country. I mean, if you, it's a country, my mistake. Europe is not a big continent. I mean, if you take Texas and stick it in Europe, that pretty much conquers the majority of it. 
And that's how big we're talking here. It's not that big of a place in comparison to the U.S. And so, so, and then here's the thing, is that once refugees get into Germany, they're not going to be confined within Germany. They can go anywhere after that. They can go anywhere yep. within Europe after that. So Germany is actually an enemy in this regard. Germany is an enemy to Europe. And I think that what we're seeing in regards to Germany is a conspiracy, a conspiracy that is being done by Germany and Turkey. Because uh, a few weeks ago, the Bulgarian, uh, a lot of these refugees were in Bulgaria, and the Bulgarian police found several giant boxes amongst the refugees. And they opened up the boxes, found in total around 10,000 false passports. 10,000 false passports to enter into, I believe it was Germany. Now, what is this about? They did, they did a whole investigation on it, and they found out that all these passports were created in Turkey. And then you have Turkey taking in, Turkey took in around 2 million of these refugees, supposed refugees, right? Turkey took in 2 million. What's Turkey doing? What, we're, what Turkey is doing is they're funneling all of these 2 million refugees into Europe. This is an invasion. In fact, there was a very good article on this uh, recently saying that Turkey uh, took in the 2 million with the purpose of um, pushing them into Europe. How come Qatar hasn't accepted any of these refugees? How come Saudi Arabia hasn't accepted any of these refugees? Only uh, Turkey took them with the intention of shooting them or trans tr transporting them into Europe. That's why they made up all these passports. And Germany knows this. I mean, if I know this, Germany knows this. Germany knows this, and yet they're pushing the rest of Europe to take in the refugees, knowing very well what's going on. So it's very dangerous what, what we're seeing. It's very dangerous. And, uh, in fact, uh, there's actually Christians trying to escape Syria to get into Europe, and the Muslims in these refugee centers in Europe are throwing them out. And they, and they tell them, uh, convert to Islam. And they refuse, and they say, well, we're going to throw you out of the center. And they th physically throw them out. There's, there's actually been reports on this. Why, if, if, there, it's, if it's really about helping you know, your fellow man and compassion, then why, why aren't they showing, showing compassion to the Christians? Because it's about destroying Christianity. This is an anti-Christian movement. This is what this is. If you, if you go to Italy and talk to the conserv conservative Italians, they will tell you all the mess that the Muslim re immigrants cause. In fact, I talked with one Italian guy. I interviewed him, in fact. And uh, he, he, did, he was part of a conservative rally in Italy against the immigration policy. And a crowd of Muslims came up to the crowd, to the, to the conservative crowd, with giant black ISIS flags, and they began to spit on the Italians, and they began to say all sorts of profanities, and they began to say that a good Christian is a beheaded one. And then they began to say death to the Pope. The police came, and they told the conservative Catholic people that they have to leave. They said, why do we have to leave? We were here first. This, we, we, this is a legal uh, assembly. And the police said, because if you don't leave, there's going to be a conflict. There's going to be violence. And we don't want violence. We want, we, we want to prevent chaos from happening. And so they said, if you don't leave, there's going to be problems. We're going to force you to leave. So they left. And they had a pizza afterward. That's what he told me. Um, 
uh, and, uh, and then he tells me the same thing that, for example, there was uh, Muslim youths entering a Catholic church in one town, and they began to desecrate the icons. They began uh, to uh, in blaspheme God, blaspheme Christ, began to cause problems. And there was one story in Rome. It wasn't in Rome. It was it was somewhere in Italy. I don't remember the, the city, but there was an old man whose wife died, and he was praying before an icon of the Holy Virgin Mary. A Muslim youth came up to him, and he had a picture of, he had a photograph in his hand of his dead wife. Because, you know, in the Catholic faith, they believe in prayers for the, for the, the souls of the departed. And they grabbed the, the, the uh, it wasn't a, no, he, he, had a, he had a prayer book, my mistake. They grabbed his prayer book, and they broke it. They, they broke it in half, and they spit on him, and then they, uh, they desecrated the statue. And the Catholic Church didn't say anything about it. They simply said, uh, that we cannot uh, generalize all Muslims. Nothing about the statue, nothing about the desecration, nothing like that. And then there was one story in Germany of a bunch of these immigrants w walked into a church during a church service, and they began to say, F Christians, death to Christians. And the congregation did not stand up and fight. The congregation just stood there. And uh, the, the, uh, the pastor of the church simply said, oh, these are just youths. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Well, they know exactly what they're doing. And they're not going to get any better. So, and I think uh, Europe is, is responsible for this because Europe has rejected its Christian identity. And so once you reject your Christian identity, guess what happens? You're going to adopt a new identity. And different beliefs begin to come up. And those beliefs are many times very dangerous. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. M M Mr. Shubot joins us here in our broadcast 53 minutes after the hour. We've got about five or six minutes left to go here with uh, Mr. Shubot before we let him go for the day. Um, th there, is, there is a lot of turmoil, as you mentioned, going on uh, all over the planet. Um, you were mentioning there, b b before I, I cut, out, cut you off there, tell us about this, this thought of you adapt a new identity. That 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 is that is very interesting to me, and I want to get that out there. Yeah. Well, Christian identity is very important within for civilization. I mean, Christianity is what creates our civilization. If it wasn't for Christianity, I would probably be in the desert somewhere, um, involved in some sort of satanic ritual, and we'd all have bones in our noses, and we would be in gladiatorial games and coliseums worshiping uh, some emperor. So Christianity comes along and really cultivates a civilization. It takes a while, but it eventually cultivates a civilization. I wish I had more time to give you more historical details. Um, and so, if we do not appreciate the work of Christianity, the work that it has done for us, then the, the civilization will simply deteriorate, and it'll go back to what it used to be. By back, I mean it'll return to paganism. And we begin, not, we begin to get rid of our honor of human life and once we begin to dishonor human life and once we begin to reject opinions the importance of opinions opinions matter opinions are what form societies they're what they're what govern a society they're what provide the, the precepts of society once we once we disregard that and we all of a sudden begin to believe that everyone has the right to believe whatever they want and to express whatever they want then dangerous ideas pop up and that, what, what Christian identity, if you look at, if you, if you want to see a great modern example of a nation that has a Christian identity, go to Russia, go to Serbia. You will see 
the entire society, and Putin himself has spoken about this, that Russia is, really, is not an individualistic society, it's a collectivist society. And um, uh, people generally, not everyone, but generally follow collectively Christianity. This is why homosexual propaganda is illegal in Russia. Why? Because the opinion of homosexuality, the beliefs of the homosexual agenda, are harmful to the society. Uh, another example is two Russian, uh, two uh, homosexual Americans went to Russia and adopted a nine-year-old boy. They raped this child and did all sorts of horrific things to this child. Immediately, Putin said, Americans can't adopt Russian children. Why? Because when you, and not all Americans are this way, I'm not saying, but when you have people coming in from a society where they think they can believe in whatever they want and homosexuality is not a problem, then that poses a danger. And once you harm one Russian, you harm all of us because it's collective. There's an identity there. You can't harm the. This is why in Christianity there's the concept of the body of Christ. Once you harm one member of the body, you harm the entire body, and the entire body has to go to its defenses. But the problem with individualism is it breaks and fragments everything. So homosexuality comes in, and the people can't do anything about it. Why? Because of individualism. Because because those homosexuals have individually affirmed their belief, we can't do anything about it. They're harming the society. We can't do a damn thing about it. Because all, because uh, it doesn't matter if it harms the body, because what matters is individualism. It fragments everything. But when you have that Christian identity, when the society generally believes that they're part of the body of Christ, then once, like I said, once, pers once one person is harmed, then, then the whole body has to do something about it. And that prevents crime, it prevents perversity, it prevents violence, it prevents societal chaos. So what's going on in Western Europe, not Eastern Europe, but what's going on in Western Europe is the fault of Western Europe. What, 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 every time a Muslim kills somebody in Europe or does something bad in Europe, it is the, it is to, uh, Europe is to blame. Western Europe is to blame. I've been to Western Europe before. It's, it's garbage. There's no, there's no Christian identity there. You go to the streets and there's people naked on the freaking beaches. You tell, hey, put some freaking clothes on. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> well, what? You're you're right. You're 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 right. And and they that's start screaming at you in their language. And I say, well, no, put some clothes on. Nobody wants to see that. There's freaking children walking around here, and they, everyone gets mad at you. People start screaming at you. Oh, mind your own business. Excuse me. This is not what a society should tolerate. But why has it deteriorated to this? Because they have no Christian identity. You go to the churches in Europe, they're skeletons. You go to these beautiful cathedrals built, you know, hundreds of years ago. Oh, this is a great, beautiful cathedral. Why aren't you, why aren't, if, if, if you love the cathedral so much, if you love these churches so much, then why don't you follow the precepts that built the churches? Oh, but we just want to admire their beauty. Well, that's vanity. That's garbage. And these churches are, in Europe have become skeletons. We've because got. They have gotten rid of their identity. We. How, how do uh, I guess my, my my final question before we let you go is how do we get back to that? How how do, how do we get that identity back? It's going to be very difficult. I mean, because again, we live in individualism, so you can't you can't really bring a society like that to collectively accept it. The only thing that's going to bring America back is suffering. There was a Chinese monk who who was arrested by the communists and he was thrown into prison. And he said, I never experienced the love of God until I was in a prison cell. And I think that this is part of our human nature, is that God allows suffering so that we, so that we can run closer to him.
So God is going to allow immense amounts of suffering to happen in the future, and that suffering is going to be good. We shouldn't, be get, we shouldn't get mad when this suffering happens. We should be glad, because it'll bring us to God. So that's what I think is uh, the solution. We can't do anything about it. We have to wait for suffering to come. You and I can, can do something with ourselves. That's yes. certain. The listeners can do something with ourselves and better ourselves and better our Christian faith, absolutely. But as far as the general society goes, to bring that collective awareness into the general society is going to be up to them. But what's going to bring them to that realization is suffering. That's what I believe. Well, before we let you go, uh, how do we get a hold of you online and, and, and all the various uh, platforms that you're involved in? Sure thing. You just go to shoebot.com, S-H-O-E-B-A-T.com. Shoe, think of shoe and bat put together in one word, .com, and you, got, uh, you get news every single day on what's happening around the world, news that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, did did you do much with the uh, with 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 the with the debates that that were recently uh, on a CNN? Bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, not, not too much. With 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 the Republican debate, yeah, we did a lot, especially because of Donald Trump. Well, I'll tell you, it's always it's always a good time to chat with you, my friend. I appreciate you making time for us today, and th- th- thanks for coming on our program. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. We're going to take a time out, come back with more. Barbecue. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.